Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Danny Mac got a surprise phone call late last week saying, hey, Dan, you want to do a basketball game on ESPN Plus? The Billikens have Iona coming in. And Dan and Scott Highmark did a great job on the telecast of the Billikens and Iona. And Dan joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. He's going to be with us every Monday morning. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Hey, guys. Good uh, good week to you. Good morning. And uh, what a fun weekend it was of sports. I'll tell you what. I, I, I said to Michelle earlier, tell me if you agree, because – the Billikens missed out on a couple of opportunities with home games against UAB and Auburn to get that good win that the committee looks for. Do you think that this Iona victory can be a good win once you get to tournament selection time? It will be because Iona may win their conference. They're probably going to go to postseason play one way or another. They're going to go to the NCAA tournament or they're going to go to the NIT. But they're going to go to postseason play. You have the Rick Pitino factor, and that is a really good team. Um, you start looking at some of the, the various ways to rank a team and some of the just outside of where you're ranked overall, but some of the ways to really get into the nuts and bolts of where they're at. And they're one of the top 50 teams in the country. Uh, I was talking with some people after the game and then yesterday. In my time of off and on doing the Billikens for the last 20 years, that's probably the most physical defensive team I've seen against the Billikens ever that I've seen against them in person. Now, I'm sure they've had other games that have been way more physical against them in Conference USA and probably some of those top five or top ten teams that came in. But uh, to see it up close and Rick Pitino and how he got after Yuri Collins, how he was able to really uh, shut down Gibson, Jibberson, and, and not get him the touches that, that the Billikens wanted to get him, he, he is a mastermind, man. He's the Nick Saban of, of college basketball. And it was, it was fun to see him in person. And, and guys, were, I was positioned, and myself and Scott Highmark, we were right next to Rick Pitino and his bench. And he just gets after his guys. He motivates his guys. And he does a great job. So uh, to your original point, Randy, I, I think it's going to wind up being a really good win uh, for SLU. And I'm sure they're going to have to do a one-and-one one with this deal in the schedule whether they play him again you know, next year or the year after and go on the road. But uh, it, it, it is a good win for SLU, no doubt about it. Well, Dan, baseball may be locked out, but that doesn't mean we can't talk some Cardinals baseball here with you. And, All right. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> That'll be fine. Uh, Paul DeYoung, the Cardinals are committed to him for 2022. And I know we always look at 2019, that all-star season, 30 home runs, as the place we'd like to see Paul DeYoung get back to. Why do you think that he can get back to that point? If you were making the argument, what would you state as why you think Paul DeYoung can get back to 2019 Paul DeYoung? I'm not sure he can, Michelle. I'm hopeful that he can. Um, you know, there, there are signs where, first of all, he's got to be healthy. And I think that's the number one thing. I think one of the things that doesn't get talked about enough 
last year is that he was hurt and did not go on a rehab assignment and then came back and got in a rut. And it is hard at the major league level when you are trying to come back from injury and you don't take a rehab assignment. Now, I understand when guys don't want to do it, whether it's individually they just don't feel like they need to do it or the team needs that that particular individual because they bring other things to the table, uh, you know, it's defense or whatever that can help you win games. But trying to get your timing back, it's really hard to do that. And then you get in bad habits. And I, I thought he got into a rut. And then the other part of it was that Sosa emerged, and then you were running out of time. I mean, they, they had such a terrible June that you couldn't afford to say, well, let's just keep throwing them out there and let them go over four but, you know, it doesn't matter. We have an eight-game lead. They, they just couldn't do that. So um, to answer your question, I, I do – would well, let me put it this way. I would like to think that he can get back to 20, 25 home runs and, and be a consistent player. I think that's there. Can he get, get back to 30? Um, I, it's going to be tough because he's going to get pushed, and I think if he doesn't come, get off to a good start – I think Sosa is going to be the guy that they go to. So it, it's going to be a tough year for him. But I think the the real key will be getting off to a good start that, that allows him to to play every day. And as long as he's playing every day, that gives him the opportunity to put up the numbers. Hey, Dan, we saw with the truncated 2020 Spring Training 2 brought to you by Camping World, how difficult a lot of players had uh, uh, how difficult of a time they had in trying to have a successful season when they didn't have their normal preparation. And that brings me to concerns about 2022 because I especially look at the young Cardinal outfielders who have some success but not a ton, and I would be concerned if there were a shortened spring training about their ability to get through it. I'm not saying they can't succeed, but that would be a concern of mine as a fan to see. Okay, are they ready and experienced enough to be able to get ready for a season with only two or three weeks of spring training? I would be more concerned, Randy, about the young pitching um, than I am with the young outfielders. And the only reason I say that is that I think, and while you're right, like Bader a couple of years ago, uh, and it may have been last year, he had like two or three hits in spring training. He, he did not have a good spring training. It was bad. But the outfielders and position players kind of look at it as a way when they're established to, to work on things to where I've always looked at spring training as a way to build up the pitchers. And so my concern would be for argument's sake that they begin, you know, March 1st, March 2nd, and the beginning of the season is late March. So you've only got three to four weeks. I think if you're any team out there, you've got to, you got to have depth because that means initially at least your first month or so, or the first handful of starts, your guys are not going to go deep. So that would concern me a little bit more than the other guys because the other guys, you know, your position players now, they're always hitting, they're always in shape, you'd like to think, and I do believe they are. They come into camp in, in great shape, in baseball shape too, and there is the grind of the season of getting up every day and playing and dealing with the, the nicks and the, the cuts and the bruises and all those things that happen with baseball, but – I'd be more concerned about my pitching and just making sure that those guys are, are built up to, to some level to go when they say we're ready to play you know, regular season baseball. Because even if a guy, is the timing is not quite right at the end of spring training, they, they, you know, there's game after game after game where if you're a pitcher, it's just like, okay, you're going to go four innings and then the next 
you know, timeout. If, if things go to plan, you're going to get six, and then the next time it's, you know, you're built up to seven or eight. And by that time, you're, you're like three weeks into the season. It, it takes time. So that's, that would be my concern if I ran a franchise is just how are we going to cover the innings of that first month, month and a half? Well, Dan, speaking of spring training, if when we get to camp, who's the guy that you're the most intrigued to see this year? Boy, that's a great question. I, I would say uh, Yepes would would definitely Juan Yepes would definitely be uh, at the top of my list from a position player standpoint, and then Matthew Libertor from the from the uh, pitching standpoint. I, I, I think, and, and probably Nolan Gorman with Yepes one and one A. You know, just to see where they're at. I've seen a, a, not enough of Lars Newpar, but I I know uh, I've seen him at the major league level a little bit. No, uh, know more about him. Where the other two, I want to see what kind of progress that uh, I heard about that they made last year, see what they look like in spring training, and just see if they're ready to make that jump to, uh, to Major League Baseball. Hey, Dan, one final thing. John Lynch, general manager of the 49ers, tweeting out, hey, hashtag faithful, thank you, thank you, thank you. You stuck with us when it wasn't looking good. You took over SoFi. Let's go. See you in Dallas. So do you think that the uh, San Francisco faithful are going to make their way to Jerry World next weekend? Uh, no, because it's really easy to go down to uh, L.A. and just take over there, <laughs> apparently. That was unbelievable how loud it got. But, you know, Randy, you and I talked about that, where uh, way back when, when there was talk of the Rams moving, you know, Oakland was their, their the Raiders, I should say. That was really their team. It wasn't the mm-hmm. Rams. And that's the team that they got behind, and it just never made sense for so many different aspects as to why you were going to put the Rams there um, in terms of just the fandom of it, you know, and, and trying to get behind your team. It was the, the Raiders that was the, the team that they really wanted and they followed just from a fan perspective, not from the ownership, not from uh, the money and all the different things that go with it. But it, it was so loud by the end of that game last night. It was amazing. It was great. And Martin Kilcoin tweeted last night, looks like L.A.'s two most popular NFL teams won today, the Raiders and the Rams' opponent. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is true. It's it true. Is. No doubt. Hey, have a great day, Daniel. As always, thanks for taking some time, and we'll talk to you later. All right, guys. Catch you up next Monday.